0: Rush Holds Radio, with your host, John Stevenson. Is Reporting a radio. UFO activity. And there in the darkness, on things. the ground, ghosts. knocking on the walls. something crawling the
1: head. It's cemetery. obvious that Why? Why? Oh my God, are seeing this? There is a the real what's the evidence to A formation forming. That's
2: Welcome to Threshold Radio. On today's show, we have Mellon Thomas Benedict. He is the most studied and written about near-death experience case in the world. Mellon died for 90 minutes from incurable brain cancer, and when he came back to life, he returned cancer-free. Freaky, right? We'll be right back with Mellon after these quick
0: commercial breaks. TheEdgeOnAir.com wants to invite you to be abducted. Tune in Friday night starting at 10 p.m. for Thresholds Radio. Host John Stevenson is your guide through the realm of the paranormal with an hour-long radio show sure to give you the heebie-jeebies. Check out UFO-info.com to learn more. It's Thresholds Radio every Friday night at 10 p.m. on the edgeonair.com. Welcome back to Thresholds Radio. With us right now is Mellon Thomas Benedict. If you remember Mellon, he was with us in January. He was a gentleman that died for an hour and a half, possibly more. And came back to tell his story. He's the most studied near death I believe, pretty well in the world. How you doing today, Mellon Just to fine, John.
1: It's good to be back on the airways.
0: Uh, so we had you on before, but you briefly want to go over that because I'm going to put a link on there where people can listen to the last show. But uh, do you want to briefly go over and uh, talk about uh, your little, your little experience in the other side?
2: Yeah. Okay. Um... Um, I, I, uh, 1980, uh, kind of late in 1981, I was diagnosed with uh, a terminal type of brain cancer that at that time was inoperable and incurable, and I was given uh, six, eight months to live, and, uh, I'm someone that was, uh, totally unprepared for this. I think, uh, I think most people that are told they're terminal by their doctors are pretty much unprepared for it, but, um, uh, I was also further, uh, clueless because, uh um, I I uh, didn't have a spiritual foundation, I didn't believe in God, I wasn't an atheist even, I mean an atheist even shows some interest in the subject, but I wasn't even an atheist, and I just was not interested in the subject, didn't believe in it at all, and, um, and uh, you know, I'd never heard the word hospice before I ended up in one, I was completely clueless, and also, not a happy camper because the whole thing made me uh, very angry so I was not a happy camper uh, in my hospice uh, situation but um, it was in in my hospice situation that I did succumb to uh, my disease one morning and um, I had a written will uh, both to assure that I would not be resuscitated and let my family get a hold of me and put me on tubes the rest of my life and secondly I was really fed up with the world. I really believed the world was an evil and bad place and there was no future uh, for humanity. And I believed the world had no future because of humanity. So I was uh, pretty messed up and uh, very unhappy and really did want to die. I wanted to be dead to this world. Uh, And so um, in my written will... Uh, they were not, uh, they were not to resuscitate me. In fact, they were to leave my body alone for a number of hours, uh, and, uh, as I say, to make sure I'm dead, make real sure I'm dead. And, uh, um, uh, that's, um, uh, and so one morning I succumbed to my disease and found myself, uh, outside of my body in a kind of a dark place. Um, and the details are on my website if people want to go to that, but, um, uh, I'm someone that, uh, didn't really know about the light or anything like that. I, I thought, um, I, it was very scary at the beginning because I, I was in darkness alone and, um, it was, uh, felt like an eternity in this darkness. And then I had a life, what, what we now call a life review, um, where my whole life was like, uh, played out and, uh, I could see, uh, I could see so many things in my life, and, and there were uh, dark spots in my life, and I now know that those were things I didn't want to look at at the time. Because you, you're not forced to, when you have a near-death experience or a death experience, you're not forced to look or do anything. There's no force involved. But th- there were some dark spots I didn't look at, which uh, I had later gone back to the light and looked at, looked at you know, the, the whole scenario. But basically... Uh, I, uh, I just accidentally uh, found my way to the light uh, pretty much uh, and uh, found myself before this light that near deathers talk about now and um, it was quite impressive uh, I tell you quite impressive the feeling I had but it wasn't a religious feeling I had uh, although uh, the thought did occur to me when I was when I was before the light that uh, um, in fact, I I kind of blurted out, as as you might say, I kind of blurted out, "Are you God?" I mean, what else could this be? Right. You know what I mean? And um, the light is the source that we all exist in. It's the source of sources, and we're all we're all connected. We come from there, and we go there, and we return from there in many lives. And this source, I call people. Some people call it gods and other things, but uh, I call it the source. Uh, And it was a non-religious experience for me. But um, uh, the source knows you intimately. It's amazing how well the source knows you, but it's almost like how well your mother knows you. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, And uh, the uh, the light is the source, and the source will speak to you in whatever level you're at. Whatever metaphor you're in, and it will speak to you so that you understand. Also, it doesn't force you to do anything or look at anything. And so you kind of just, uh, uh, most people, um, uh, the light has told me, actually come to the light, they sort of faint at the light, and that's when they begin their reincarnation process. For me, and I didn't know this was unusual until uh, PMH Outwater discovered me, the great writer in the field, and then introduced me to Dr. Ken Ring, the other great. Researcher in the field from the University of Connecticut at the time, uh, uh, I re- I, in my experience, I realized that um, I was having an interactive experience, which is what surprised me. So when I said, um, Are you God? I was sort of in shock a little bit. And as I said, the source light, the light knows you intimately, so it will speak to you, so you will understand in whatever metaphor, whatever color flavor that you, you will accept. And so what the light said to me, when I said, are you God, the light said to me, who and what is not God? And I knew immediately what that meant. What that meant was, whatever you call God, whatever you think God is, it would take you forever to explain it, because you would have to name every atom, every, everything in the universe, and that would take forever. So the perfect answer for me, and I got it, was who and what is not part of this God experience. Wow. And uh, at, at that point, it began, uh, I began a long, what seemed like a long conversation with the light, which uh, kind of leads us to our show today.
0: Exactly. you went towards the light, like everybody says, all near-deathers. But in your case, if I recall, you said stop or something like that, right, towards the light. And you just stopped going towards it.
2: Well, no, that was uh, when I was with the light, um, I... I uh, I had a feeling that if I went through the light at that time, I would be quote dead or because I didn't really understand reincarnation at the time as I do now and that sort of thing. So I, I once once I asked that first question, sort of out of amazement, "Are oh, you God?" and that was answered. I, I felt totally comfortable. Uh, I, I asked, uh, can, uh, "Can can we hold? Can we stop here a minute? I've got a lot of questions." That's what I said, and and the light the light kind of responded like, "Sure." You know, what's on your mind?
1: Oh, that's pretty cool. uh,
2: Yeah, that's when the conversation began. Most people, the light has told me, are stuck in dogmas and fear and all kinds of things when they come to the light. And so they they really kind of lose a really magical part of this experience. And uh, so I'm here to tell everybody that whether you have a near-death experience or actual death experience, it is an interactive experience. Uh, Take your time and enjoy it.
0: Well, oh, that's pretty cool when it comes down now you were saying before that uh you're reincarnated i mean uh what type of time frame were you talking about before i mean was it like you go up there and then you're reincarnated right away or you're like in some sort of limbo up there interacting with things or uh, what what did you find in your experience
2: yeah well we have to back up a little bit to kind of walk into that scenario because uh reincarnation is more and more becoming one of the most popular subjects in the world. And some say it's because the baby boomers are aging now and getting closer to death than they were in their 20s and that sort of thing. And there's probably, probably a lot of truth to that. But reincarnation is one of the more uh, popular subjects on the Internet nowadays. And uh, there are various versions, uh, you know, other on what religion or culture you come from. But um, uh, one of the questions that I did ask Um, the light, when I was with the light uh, because I had um, in the hospice uh, situation I was in, there was a little library and there were some books and there uh, there were a a few books on world religions, you know, those kind of thick books and stuff and I did I did actually kind of uh, file through them a little bit I really didn't get much out of it and uh, sometimes I I, I used to tell people in the old days I was trying to bone up (laughs) but it it didn't help me and especially silly, I thought silly stuff like reincarnation, oh, that's silly. You know, if you're bad, you come back as a dog or something. It was also silly. So I didn't get much out of uh, those books, and I uh, actually didn't read them that much enough either. Um, but uh, uh, so, uh, so I was comfortable enough with like, and I had a lot of questions. And uh, one of the questions I, I did ask was, what's with all this, what's with this reincarnation? Is it for real or not? And the light told me that reincarnation is more real than people even imagine, and it's more real than even most spiritual people imagine. Because, um, and I ask people to forgive me for saying uh, some of these things, uh, I don't mean to uh, you know, rub people the wrong way, but I can just tell you what, what I learned. And that is that uh, typical spiritual explanation of reincarnation is rather flimsy. It's not very deep at all. There's not a lot of depth to it. And that's why it may not make sense to a lot of people, but uh, the light explained to me. And I'm uh, I'm I'm someone that kind of bridges art and science and now spirituality together. So I'm I'm in, uh, I'm, I'm like in a full spectrum mode. And um, so the, the light was explaining. I, I wanted to know how it works. You know, not not is it. You know, yeah. Okay, it's real, but how does it work? And the light. Um, Explain to me not that, it's all, that the near-death experience is a quantum physics event also. It's definitely a quantum physics event, going from dense energy to subtle energy and back again. is, is uh, There's quantum physics involved, and even quantum mechanics, and that energy never dies, it just goes through transition states and that sort of thing. And I I don't mean to get too scientific for everybody, but but I was fascinated by it. And so the light taught me the physics uh, of not the metaphysics, because the light told me that whenever you see something's metaphysical or paranormal, you're then separating it from nature, and there is nothing paranormal, there's nothing metaphysical in the universe. It's all the same thing. And uh, so I I was kind of... uh, uh, got the idea that I, I got it. You know, it's calling something paranormal, puts it outside of everything else and gives it a special rules. And the, the light told me there are no special rules to the universe. The, the rules apply universally across the board. Uh, the, the, the laws on Earth apply to the rest of the universe and vice versa. Uh, there's no special laws. And, and, you know, in the old days, uh, in In old times, they didn't understand science or have cosmology as we know it or anything, so there was always this uh the heavens had a special different set of rules than earth did, and uh, that was called the quintessence and all of this magical fairy dust stuff and magical orbs and all that sort of thing well now now we really understand and and the light really uh was uh uh you know putting me on um a solid foundation to understand these things in a way that that I could um, make use of it, and so we are energy beings to start with. We are uh, we are a nuclear structure. In fact, the uh, the, the most exciting um, uh, science I think today is called quantum biology or biophysics, and that's looking at your uh, biology as uh, looking at your atoms as as biology. It's you know, and it's called quantum biology and. At the nuclear level, we are we are totally uh, light beings. I mean, every time uh, your body does any kind of um, uh, actions, there's bio-photons given off, and that's why we glow in the dark. We're like a light bulb that's on from the moment we're conceived to uh, several days after we, uh, after we uh, die out of this body. Um, and so uh, this is really... Uh, what, what people have done is they separated physics from spirit, and they're actually perfectly uh, go well together. In fact, they, they intertwine so perfectly well. And modern physics is getting, uh, uh, if you really get into modern physics, it's almost metaphysical, you would think, mystical anyway. But um, so I was learning it from this level and that uh, the light also told me that uh, in the future, the not-too-distant future, maybe an incarnation or two from here, uh, uh, the subject of reincarnation is actual science. It's actually science, and um, so you've heard of uh, people doing past-life progressions, correct? Yes. And have you heard of people doing future progressions, too?
0: No, actually, I haven't heard of that one. That sounds uh, very interesting.
2: Well, it's, it's, it's things that people do. You know, uh, um, this, this, this whole thing, reincarnation, involves all of physics and all of what we call spirituality, involves everything. It's a great subject to kind of be the center of, of what we're talking about. But, um, that also involves that there was only you will only ever know this moment, this now moment. What you remember, uh, what you project into the future, all of that is in the now. There is only one moment, and no matter where you are, no matter how many times you die, you will always be in the now. You're uh, you're never in the past, and you're never in the future. These are these are concepts for young minds. When when you think there's a past and a future and they're separate. From the now, that's just because you know we're a young species on the planet, and, and we will we will grow into the understanding of these kind of concepts. And so, uh, so what happens when you when you sort of become enlightened? And enlightenment is not, to me, about a spiritual thing. Enlightenment is about wisdom, knowledge, and responsibility, and that sort of thing. It's not about you know kissing the face of God all the time. Um, that's kind of a flimsy way of being spiritual. But um, in, in this, in this uh, universe that we live in, we're very, very uh, lucky to uh, be the type of uh, species that can become enlightened. And by that I mean that we have, uh, as, as, you, as you get more into the now, and your now then expands to encompass past and the future, and you, uh, I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's, it's an old subject, uh, I, I think there's a lot of truth to it from what I've learned, and that is uh, a simultaneous reincarnation, that everything is going on in this one moment of now. The past, present, and the future is going on in this moment of now. Well,
0: I'd never heard of that and, before either.
2: Sure, sure. You, yeah, you can. Uh, I'm, I'm not the first one to come up with that at all. But I did learn that, and the light did agree with that, that uh, there's, a, there's a simultaneous uh, synchronicity going on. And uh, you know, certain concepts like. Um, no beginning and no end, are very hard for us to grasp right now, at our, our level of evolution. So, But we will understand these concepts in the future. So when people always ask, where where was the beginning? Well, there was no beginning. And where is the end? There's no end. And So then you get kind of mystical, you know what I mean, at this level.
0: It's just continuous. But, I mean, just one cycle continuously over and over then.
2: Well, uh, it's a little more dynamic than that, but we're kind of... Um, Kind of, I'm uh, getting off into a tangent. Now. I try to catch myself sometimes. Getting <laughs> the reincarnation uh, subject here. What I learned was that it's more real than people imagine. There's a real science and physics to it that people understand in the near future um, very well, and it's very, very useful. Um, past life regression work is uh, is a very good tool for uh, psychologists and therapists to use. Uh, it's immensely quick, the way it works. Um, I recommend it for everybody. The hypnotic kind, not the psychic kind. Don't have a psychic give you a past life of red. Um, uh, uh, they can't help but color everything they do, because, you know, it's like if you're a, if you're a red piece of glass, every piece of light that comes through you is red, right? Mm-hmm. So our, our personalities are like those color filters. And uh, so a hypnotic aggression is where it comes from you directly. That comes directly from your lens, your filter, and, and you will better understand it. But here's what's interesting is, um, uh, getting back to the original question, so when you die, uh, what happens, this reincarnation thing? What is it really about? Well, the light explained to me, and I've had many uh, revisits with the light on subjects like this, because, um, I, I, as I was mentioning, Dr. Ken Ring, in studying me, uh, was surprised to hear that I go back to the light at will and have... Ever since. I've never lost my connection. And uh, he said, You're the first New Bethel I've ever heard say that. And I, I, I didn't know because I, I really didn't hang out with New Bethel because I, I would assume they all do it, but they, they don't for whatever reason. That's, that's another conversation. But my uh, being a very practical guy most of my life, uh, I like practical things and I, like, I like to talk about uh, the wonders of practical things. And when the light was educating me about reincarnation, because I really didn't want to understand it, and in my experience, when the light presented something in sort of an image, I, re- I realized in that moment that I was seeing I was seeing what was already in my, in my head, this, these kind of notions I had in my head, so I would ask the light what's behind that. I was possibly asking the light to pull the curtain back let me let me see what's behind this, you know and so um that's the, way I, that's the way we talk about reincarnation. And first, first things first, energy doesn't die. It goes through transition states. Everything in the universe reincarnates, number one. Everything in the universe reincarnates. When a star dies, it creates new stars. And there are multiple levels of reincarnation, by the way. It's not so simplistic as, as some... Uh, religions or uh, philosophies put it out there to be. It's, more, it's much more dynamic, not complicated, but dynamic. Did you know that um, having children is a form of biological reincarnation?
0: Wow. Yeah, I guess it, it is.
2: Think about that. It's, uh, so there are, many, there are many levels that work simultaneously in this thing we call reincarnation. Uh, when a star dies, it creates new stars. Um, when energy makes a transition, it actually reincarnates as other energy, or as this or that but it never dies and we're made of nothing but that energy we're made of the exact same energy the entire universe is made of and uh so so uh there are no special laws so whatever the universe goes through we're capable of is not that kind of magical to think about yeah it Um, is and if a star can make new stars well we can make new lives and uh um the um so understanding that reincarnation is the most natural thing in the universe, energy does that, um, and it's beyond intelligence. Most of what I'm telling you is beyond intelligence, because intelligence is a filter. And if you try to understand the entire universe and everything just through the intelligence filter, you'll miss most of it. The, 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 um, just as true as that is if you look at everything through a spiritual lens, you'll miss most of the universe, too. Just being spiritual doesn't mean you're going to understand much of anything. And so, but if you put them all together like a full rainbow, then you get the full spectrum picture. And so we should be more like a rainbow than just one color of the rainbow, you know, where science might be purple. I mean, uh, spirituality might be purple, uh, uh, materialism wanting to be wealthy as your main thing, that might be the red color, you know, the root chakra, things like that. But to to be full spectrum uh, is, we all have that in us. We all can... um, uh, open up to that uh, but we have to get out of our dogmas and we have to get out of thinking my God's better than your God and all that sort of thing. so uh, in, a, in a full spectrum view of reincarnation um, we're talking of energy and to me energy and biology is sacred and I, uh, I have written and I have a, uh, I have uh, I have a whole thing about sacred biology that I've copyrighted and I'm getting ready to come out with. And I call it sacred biology because it is sacred. How many religions teach you the body's no good, it's just a vehicle, you're going to dump it, we're going we're to go on from here? And that doesn't really work in, in uh, the reality of this full-spectrum uh, universe. How it works is, is that for most people on Earth to this day, everything reincarnates, and that means I could take you back to this first step. And uh, this is the greatest lesson that I've learned from the light by the way and um, uh, and I think you might have it on my web- uh, on your website. I'm actually coming out with a DVD in a few weeks explaining this uh, the greatest lesson I've ever learned from uh, the light called the Spirit of Gaia DVD so we'll yeah,
0: talk about we're, we're going to have a link on the site for that. We'll talk about it more okay. later, but there'll be a link right on our site for people for that.
2: And the premise of this is that when the, um, we all think we're individuals and There's uh, the Indians in India, and there's the Italians in Italy, and there's the Germans, and they're all different. And you may think the French are rude, and you may think the Germans are technocrats, and you may think the Buddhists are weird. You know, we all have, this this is, we all think we're separate in some way. Now, the metaphor is, is that when the astronauts, the first astronauts uh, on their way to the moon took the first whole picture of the Earth, It changed them. It's a famous picture. It was the first picture ever taken of the whole earth. And what they commented on, and this is what I learned, what they commented on was that when they looked at the whole earth, they only saw one living being, and it looked alive, and it acted alive. And they didn't see countries. They didn't see skin colors. They didn't see religions. They didn't see orders. They didn't see any of that. They saw one living being. And this living being, uh, which we now, uh, everyone has agreed to call it Gaia, you know, the Earth goddess, uh, it's a coined phrase back, I think, in the 80s, I believe, by James Lovelock. And um, so uh, it's a great term to use for the whole living system of planet Earth and how, it, how it really everything on Earth cooperates to work together more than people even imagine. So when you look at the whole Earth, you only see one Earth. And what I'm trying to build, what I'm trying to get to here is to explain to you that there's only one human on planet Earth. There's only one of us here. We're all the same being. And unless you can get out of this um, separatism uh, and, and see it, just like the astronauts saw, one living planet, uh, we're one living little planet in an ocean of, you know, the cosmos, and just like your, your, your human body, and in my workshops and the Gallia DVD, I actually show this uh, with videos. But if you look at the human body, and you think you're an individual, correct? You right. think I'm done, and I think I'm melon. Well, if you go just beneath the skin, or even on the skin, there are thousands of things living on us and in us. In fact, did you know that, um, that of all the trillions of cells in the human body, over 90% of them, not even you; they're, they're microbes.
1: Wow! <laughs> and you can,
2: yeah, you can look at this with a microscope. So, and these microbes you cannot live without. They they evolve from day one in evolution. They control your hormones. They control your health. They control your brain. They control everything. So, who are you? Who's making the decisions? They they love sugar. They have sweet tooth. So, you get a sugar craving. It's probably the microbes in your body. And so we we, uh, humans have this narrow view of what life is, that humans are special and different than everything else, that um, uh, everything we do, everything in the universe is about us. Uh, And you remember when um, Galileo came, before Galileo came up, it was uh, pretty much accepted that the, the earth was the center of the universe. Right. And everything revolved around the earth, including the sun. and that really, that the symbol for that in religion was that if you look at the religions on planet Earth, the modern religions, which is uh, you know Judaism, Catholicism, Islam, and um, uh, Buddhism to an extent, um, they're all egocentric. They're all about you being the center of God's eye. And Galileo came along and proved the Earth is not the center of the universe, and we're about to have a Galileo effect in our spirituality on planet Earth, because we are not that special. Um, it's to the whole universe we're a part of the universe we're like one of those cells in your body but to be here is a blessing and uh, we should main I want to maintain this blessing as long as as ever possible in, in, the, in the universe but we're so just as your body may look like one being, you're actually trillions of beings living within you. And um, so who are you really? It's like, it's like looking at planet Earth and then realizing, oh my God, there's billions of humans, there's billions of animals, there's trillions of insects, and there's trillions of microbes. What is the Earth? You See what I mean?
0: Exactly. And
2: so this leads to the fundamentals of reincarnation. Um, we uh, evolution is a form of reincarnation all of evolution is a form of of uh... uh, evolution of this energy becoming conscious now imagine that every every cell in your body came from something made in a dead star um... the calcium in your bones uh... the iron in your blood all that came from separate places in the universe and ended up making you um... on this planet so um... uh... Uh, We have an evolution here. We're made of stardust, literally made of stardust. Now imagine, stardust on planet Earth uh, is in many, many forms. Calcium, calcium, magnesium, hydrate. that's called dolomite, which is pure stardust. Um, So imagine that a rock could become conscious. We are a rock that has become conscious in our evolution. Hmm. That's a, the rock has reincarnated, a rock of calcium and all the elements. This, this, because the earth was a rock to begin with, has evolved consciousness and re, and reincarnated itself. And reincarnation is reinvention also. So um, all of us, and, and I don't want to rub the uh, you know the way spirit uh, the way way spiritual people
1: you know, in the wrong
2: way. So I'm not trying to. prove anybody wrong or anything but but to my understanding uh, we all come from the same source we all come from the same life and that includes your human body Uh, and your consciousness comes from this evolving also consciousness wasn't just made out in heaven somewhere and given to you you evolved your consciousness you have reincarnated many times to achieve the consciousness you have today uh... And by the way, this evolution has been steady and progressive. We've never lost any of it. The uh, the average IQ on the planet today is the highest it's ever been the, on the planet. Although some of you may argue with that, but it's true.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We might not act like it sometimes.
2: Well, no, we're not that far out of the jungle, really. You know. but, uh, and a lot of human things look like monkey business. Look at Washington, D.C. That's a bunch of monkey business.
0: <laughs> yeah, to say the least.
2: But I, but I digress. So, so this reincarnation thing is fascinating, sacred, and really special to understand. And that is that, first of all, you've got to realize there's one planet Earth here that we're part of. And we're part of it, just like the, the cells in your body are part of you. There's really, one. the human evolved from one source, and that source has kept evolving. Now, now as you, as you keep uh, reincarnating, you sort of open up like a lotus flower opens up, and there's many petals on the lotus flower. And each of those petals could be a metaphor for a different life and a different stage of evolution that you've been through. Because if you're in a human body right now, You have been here from day one and taken the entire walk of the evolutionary staircase to get to where you are today. Um, That is an incredible journey. That is an incredible journey. Human beings on this planet have taken the longest journey to evolution on this planet because human beings are the sum total of everything that's ever been on this planet. Look at our DNA. Look at our cells. We've got, uh, we've got things in our body that look like spirulina, which were the first forms of life on the planet, literally. Right. Part, of our, part of our DNA matches a banana tree, you know. And it goes on and on. The, the human DNA is the most special DNA on planet Earth, and it has taken the longest walk to get to where we're going. And so, so, here, coming back to reincarnation, this is what I'd like people to kind of understand that I learned, and that is that there's only one of us here, but we keep branching out, we keep expanding like that flower opening, right? right and um as long as the population keeps growing uh this this flower keeps opening but there's going to come a time uh by 2100 where the population is going to be half maybe half of what it is on planet earth today and that's not metaphysics that's just demographics check out demographics what the population is predicted to be in 2100 that's because we're reaching zero population growth on planet earth the earth of gaia has created enough humans accomplish the next mission, because um, in this in this uh, in this evolution, there comes a point when you have to leave planet Earth, because no planet lives forever and no star lives forever. And I talk about this in the in the guide DVD tape in some detail with, with great graphics. So I'm just kind of skipping skipping over a lot of it right here, but. The Gaia has reached this point now, where there's enough intelligence on the planet to start star seeding other other planets. We're discovering them. We're discovering Earth-like planets. We we have enough scientists on the planet—the most that's ever been here. We have enough engineers. We have enough spirituality on the planet. I mean, how much more do you need of that? Um, uh, uh, and I'll just put a bookmark there to say that the light told me that humanity peaked spiritually 25 years ago. We've already peaked spiritually, hmm. and that's because. As you evolve, and the uh, the uh, higher self evolves, and the higher self a matrix evolves, you we came to a point where the higher self matrix, the light you might call it, uh, on on in our in our system here, our light opened up to universal intelligence, the the full connection. When you when that happens. You can't be in this modern industrial mode of thinking there's more and more and more, bigger, bigger, better, my God's bigger, better than yours, my God's richer than yours. None of that applies anymore in universal consciousness and intelligence. What you realize is that over 2,500 years ago, these fantastic thoughts started appearing long before Christ and that all that sort of thing. Thoughts like this, um, do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. Can you beat that? Hmm. You can't. Ever since then, there's been no better thoughts. Only people that have been taking them, putting different colors on them, putting different logos, like a Star of David or a cross or, you know, uh, all those things, putting logos on them, uh, making the the profits, basically uh, 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 corporate logos, you know, uh, that sort of thing, fundamentalism. But there's nothing new. There's nothing new. We, 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 we peaked spiritually 2,500 years ago. If we just lived off the, that one pearl of information that came through, do unto others as you would have to do unto yourself, you know, we're still working on that one, aren't we?
0: Yeah, we're nowhere, <laughs> nowhere near utilizing that one at all. It'd be wonderful if we did, but we're nowhere near that.
2: Right. And so, so uh, spiritual people of today are of the Industrial Revolution, and we have this industrial mentality about spirituality. Bigger, better, more, 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 more. Many steps up Jacob's ladder. The whole thing that's represents industrial thinking or uh, this kind of thinking. So, um, uh, so I'll just I'll just put that there because it, uh, that's that's a really cool thing to think about. But back to reincarnation, and that is that. Um, so there's only one of us here, and as this as this life evolves, uh, as more and more humans. Um, um, uh, generated on this planet to our evolution and our evolution is sacred stuff. Uh, and our biology is sacred stuff. And there were a larger population started evolving. We developed a, uh, a collective a collective intelligence which has made us what we are today, which is capable of improving the world in immense ways. And um, but what happens now as we uh, as the population goes down on planet Earth? Where are all these six and a half or so billion souls going to go.
1: That's I mean, right. You
2: know, no one, no one thought about that because they're thinking too simply. They're thinking too linear about this, and that's because evolution of uh, the uh, uh, reincarnation evolves, the oversoul evolves. Everything keeps evolving. You know, the religions want us to think that God only wrote one book. Give me a break. One book, and you've got it. I, you know, come on, it's getting a little silly. But um, uh, so what happens is, is that we are all part of one soul that, is, that has, has multiple facets on it, like a diamond, really, uh, or like this lotus flower opening to its full, to, to as full as a lotus can open. And when a lotus is fully open, it goes to the next step, which is it gets, poll- it gets pollinated and begins reincarnate. And so on this planet, we're uh, we not going to need as many humans as before on planet Earth, but where do all these souls that we created go? Well, the next level... And I'm the first to be bringing this out and and telling you this, but check it out and think about it. The next level of incarnation, which is beginning as the population drops now, because we're hitting zero population growth in so many countries, um, uh, what happens is called incarnation now has evolved to the stage of unfolding. And that means that uh, you've heard of twin souls, you've heard of twins, you've heard of soulmates. You're going to keep reincarnating, and, and once you reach a human being, you have a discrete consciousness, you have a particular frequency that you have achieved. And that will continue to grow, that doesn't go away in fact you don't even have to be intellectual about it enlightenment is not only possible for every single soul on this planet it's inevitable even if you do nothing about it you will become enlightened that's the wonder of it all but so what what happens now is this enfoldment of reincarnation begins that we'll be coming back as multiple beings in one body and this is going to make us wiser this is going to then speed up evolution to another step that's almost the speed of light. And so, to put it, I, I can't really go into that many details right now, but I do love to lecture about it, and, and I talk about it uh, in, in my DVD. Now, how this works is, and I think what your question was focused on is, okay, uh, so you die, you go to the light, how soon do you reincarnate, correct?
0: Right. Okay,
2: so... Uh, For 99.9% of the people on planet Earth, we we do it in what's called the prime way. The prime way is that Whatever you, whatever you die with, your, your desires, your, your whatever, your happiness, whatever whatever is the frequency that you die with. You know, you can die miserable, you can die happy, you can die with patterns of being a loser, you can die with patterns of being a winner. Um, everything in the universe sorts itself out. The universe is self-organizing, and so are we. So is every cell in our body self-organizing. And so that when you pass through that light, you begin what's called the natural selection of reincarnation, because you're doing it unconscious, you kind of pass out of the light, and you begin an automatic uh, reincarnation cycle based on your desires and your past life experience. nobody's holding you back. no one's judging you except yourself. So uh, so most people do reincarnate uh, go into an automatic reincarnation cycle, or, we wouldn't be having the large population that we have on planet Earth. That's one sign. Secondly, um, there is no time-space, um, really. We're kind of, uh, in the physical universe, there's an arrow of time that keeps moving in a certain direction. That's fine. You know, there are seasons that we do go around the, the galaxy every 25,000 years. and all, we, we have that sort of time. But, but when you're out of body and out of this dense body and when you're, with, when you're on what people call the other side, and I, I love the Native American expression. They call it the other side of the sky. Isn't that nice?
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool.
2: The other side of the sky. Uh, or the, uh, some cultures, it's the other side of the river, you know. Um, and for some cultures, it's at the bottom of the lake. Kind of. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, so you're out of time and space. So I'm telling you, I've been there. And on the other side, you are wherever you think you are. Minutes could be dozens, if not a 100 years could go by. So you can't judge our time by the time of the other side for reincarnation. That's, but I tell you, you begin reincarnating uh, as, a, as a consciousness uh, fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And if that's automatically sorted out to what kind of person you were. So to improve yourself and to become happy and all that is re- is very important for your incarnational uh, trajectory. It's very important to understand that. But So you die with whatever, you know. Uh, you died thinking you were a loser. Well you're gonna as you come back in, you're going to you're going to be drawn to the whole thing the universe believes in and that is and operates by is that water its on level, birds of a feather flock together, you know, that sort of thing. It's right. true. Absolutely true. So if you thought you were a loser when you died, you're not going to come back as a winner. You're going to come back to a family, to a situation that matches your issue matrix. That's what's important to reincarnation. Not who your father was, not who your mother was. And in fact, many people who think that was my mother in a past life, you know, um, you're looking at, okay, this is my mother in a past life, and people get uh, psychic readings on this and people can tell you all this stuff, but the truth is that most of the people are not your actual parents in a past life, because what if your family has died out or no one's mating when you go through your your incarnational trajectory? What what happens then? That's because that's not the point of it. The point of it is you're going to come back to the issue matrix. And when you're born into this, this family that matches the, the issue matrix of the last one you left, you're going to project on these people if you get into metaphysics and that sort of thing. You're going to project on them, this was my parents in the past, life, and some kind of karma. Well, the karma is the pattern, not the people. And so uh, it is true, we do meet people we've, we've known in past lives, especially if the bonds were very, very strong. Uh, and that could be in hate and love. You know, hate's just a big, a strong uh, bond as love. So if you if you really want to get you know, hating someone just bonds you to them. Give up the hate, forgive and forget. That's the end of promise to forgive and forget. And uh, so so you come back to the same issue matrix. Now this um This could, on Earth time, could be a long time or a short time, but the process, once you go to the light, is pretty automatic. It's a natural selection. Now, only with consciousness can you change that. You have to change it consciously. That's why it's so important for us to learn this. Some cultures teach it, but it's very important to start thinking about your next life because reincarnation is more real than you imagine. It's very important to start thinking about your next life and start thinking about, do I want to come back to these people? Where do I want to be? It's very important to start thinking about that. And if you can, if you, if you die a, a natural death, um, then, and you're not just in an accident or something, uh, then what you hold in your mind, in your heart, the moment you die, sets up your incarnation. Wow.
1: There's
2: no, there's no judgment. There's no great counsel telling you did this, you did this, so you've got to go there, you've got to go here. None of that. It's more natural than that. It's not uh, an intellectual you know, contraption. Um, So you come back, but here's the interesting, okay, then then if everybody reincarnates, how do we talk to the dead? You know, you've got some great people that talk to the dead. Right,
0: yeah, that was my one question from last time we talked to.
2: Yeah, and so how do you talk to the dead? Well this is what I learned. And and people in the higher consciousness and physics and all that understand that now we call something called the field. We live in a hologram. The holographic universe, there's a whole book on that. Mm-hmm. There's, a book called, there's a book called The Field. Uh, all this energy, all the words, all the energy is in the field, uh, local field that we live in. And In that field, you leave every life you've ever lived, every word you've ever said, leaves an impression in the field like a magnetic recording. Okay? Mm, Right. That's called the the Book of Life or the Econic Records or the other side. There there are other names for it. But imagine that you made a videotape before you died that people could play back after you died. Mm -hmm. But the difference is that this impression you left in the field is made of living ectoplasm, highly magnetic, and it keeps evolving on its own. It never dies. It keeps, everything keeps evolving. So you've left, so depending on what kind of life you've had, you might leave a, a less or bigger impression in the field. If you were a bump on the log your whole life, not much of an impression on the field, but it's there, you can find it. But other people, let's say like Elvis Presley, he left a big impression on the field. Right. <laughs> Very popular on the other side. You know, people like that. Um, And uh, people that have been worshipped, uh, say, the Christ Consciousness and the Buddhas and all that are, you know, because if you add to it, think of all the people that still listen to Elvis music and think about him, they're adding to his impression in the field in the Book of Life. And so he he left a big impression, Mm -hmm. And, and so did many others. But everybody leaves an impression in the field, and this impression is made of living ectoplasm, uh, at a subtle energy level. And it, it does keep evolving. So you, so when you contact the dead, and I know there are many psychics out there who will disagree with me, but I'm just telling you what, what I learned. So when you think you're contacting the dead, you're actually contacting the impression in the field, which can speak to you, give you information. But keep in mind also, and, and I'm not trying to point out anybody here, but quite a lot of this contacting the dead stuff is somebody just reading your mind, what's in your mind, just telling you, did your dad wear glasses? Is this or that? That's, that's telepathic communication. That's not even psychic. Right. And so, so when a psychic or someone tells you what color your car is, I'm not impressed. When they tell me something, I already know in my brain. I know they can get it from my brain. And, and that's what, you know, it's, it's normal, natural, but many of them don't even understand what true psychic ability is because the, the, the upper brain mimics it. And uh, psychic ability is much, much deeper, and it's in the first brain that we have. It's in the first brain we ever evolved. Psychic ability, true psychic ability is in everything from bacteria to human beings. And originally it involved, this is how we evolved, is being able to sense something outside of ourselves. So we evolve eyes, we evolve this, we evolve that. And also, as we developed... In our evolution, this psychic ability was first and foremost used for survival—sensing danger, mm-hmm. noticing bad patterns, sensing water at great distances—which animals amaze us at, and, and shamans amaze us at. It's all very normal. But the upper brain mimics psychic ability because it can read your mind. That's wireless communication. That's not psychic. It well, that
0: read my mind. So that's like a mother and a, a child, or something, or twins when they're miles and miles apart—they can feel or sense each other if something happens.
2: Absolutely. Your mother, especially because you came from her body. And if you're a twin, you share the same body, literally.
0: Right. And
2: we seem to have a tremendous connection, you know, even over that of a father and a child, although father and child can, can have a good connection. But the mother has the biggest connection, the biggest influence on us for, for good or bad
1: <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: that that, that, we, that we will ever know. And so... Uh, uh, so you know, so um, I could go on and on, but this reincarnation thing also involves when you're pregnant with a baby, you're bringing in a soul. So you should be very careful about what goes on while you're pregnant. My parents fought. My father was an, my biological father was an alcoholic, and he beat my mother while she was pregnant. Hmm. Now, as a fetus, and I saw this in my life you, as a fetus in my mother's belly, I was hooked up to her nervous system, her hormones, and everything. I could hear... Uh, studies have shown that even the smallest fetus is aware of light. Even you can put a light on the belly; and it'll track it. Things like that. But because that's what I—that's my first experience in this incarnation, planet Earth—is people fighting, my mother thinking she's going to die, getting beat. I'm getting a very bad impression already. My world view was actually set before I was born. That this world is a painful, hurtful dangerous place, and because my father was doing the yelling, I got the attitude that stayed in me to the day I died, that men are dangerous, and men are not trustworthy, that men are, and I never bonded with men. I, I, I had friends, but I never really had a best male a male friend. I had a best female friend.
1: because
2: wow. I, I trusted women. I could not trust men. And that was fit in me. So imagine, I'm, I'm reincarnating back in this world. I have to go through all this before I'm even born think about this when people are pregnant. Now, here's the other fascinating thing about reincarnation, just another little tidbit for you, and that is, when two people get married, they bring two families together, don't they? They bring two bloodlines together. Right. Now, those in-laws may or may not get get along together, correct?
0: Right, that's very true.
2: (laughs) You know, in-laws fight all the time, and uh, so imagine this. So when you, you get married, and you're bringing two bloodlines together, two families together, that may have never even known each other before, correct? Uh-huh. So imagine this. So when you have a child, you are bringing two incarnational lines together that may have never met each other before, just like the families. So you're incarnating children into this uh, family, and if you have... Uh, so. I've had, uh, when I do my counseling, I've had many a a parent over the years, both male and female, but mostly female, actually say, I feel guilty because one of my children is my my favorite child, and people know, they may not admit this, but they know what I'm talking about, and so they they feel very guilty about this, and and I ask them this simple question. I say, let me ask you, your, your favorite child, does it look like you? Yes, it does. Does the other child look like the father? Yes, it does. You see these, so that child came in through your incarnational line. Right. The other uh, the other one. I look like my mother. My my brother looks just like my father, and my brother and I never really uh, bonded. It was just one of those things that a lot of families don't bond because the incarnational trajectory, just like a lot of uh, in-laws, never bond or really even like each other. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's one. Well, I, I have seen families. I didn't come from one of these, but I have seen families where the the mother and the father are fantastic. The brothers and the sisters love each other, take care of each other. I didn't come from any of that, but I've seen it. I know it. I, I, it's a great model that I I have seen. I know it exists. And I really admire that. Those people are so blessed. But see how reincarnation works. It's so multiple level. And this. And, and as I kept asking the light to explain it even in more detail, they kept giving me more of these levels. And um, so reincarnation it affects us mind, body, and spirit.
0: Well, there's a lot more to it than I thought. I, growing up, I've always always told that if you have a bad, terrible life, your next life is a good life, and then vice versa. But it's nothing like that whatsoever.
2: Uh, well, no, it's it's really uh, birds with feather flock together. And the only thing that can change that pattern is you. Not a guru, not a priest, not your mother, not your father. They can all be helpful. Um, in the best aspect, they can be helpful. In the worst aspect, they can be harmful to that programming. But uh, but that is the thing you have to do You to, to really get a grip on reincarnation and start reincarnating the way you want to reincarnate and who you want to reincarnate with. Is something that involves consciousness and learning how to die conscious and then be born conscious. Wow. Now you've heard this whole this whole thing out there about indigo children. Yeah, and you know the uh, the uh, many of them, the minute they can learn to speak as a baby, they start speaking very intelligently and they can tell you all kinds of things.
1: This is,
2: as I said earlier, and people may have uh, been shocked by it, but we we have the general highest IQ on the planet ever at this time, and, and that includes poor people, the rich people, the state people, and uneducated people. We all have a higher IQ, generally speaking. Right. Um, and, and so, um, these children are an example of that. But it's beyond intelligence, it's inevitable evolution. And so you're going to see more and more of this. I hope to be one in my next incarnation. I'm prepping for it now. <laughs> because imagine, you know, you've heard that old saying, if I could just be born today with everything I know now, I would be so much far ahead.
0: Oh, exactly.
2: It's true, but we tend to consciously, as, as we go through the prime, uh, in the primal cycle of incarnation, we tend to forget uh, many of the lessons we've learned and have to keep learning again until we don't forget them, and that's the way the universe is. Um, and the, uni- you know, the universe will always be, the universe tests everything. Stars are tested, we're tested by the physics of the universe, by the figures we create in consciousness. And so, whether you're the Dalai Lama or whoever you are, once you become enlightened, the tests do not go away.
0: Is that how some remember people that. remember? I mean, there's some amazing stories out there about people they remember their reincarnations. I mean, facts that only they could possibly know if they actually were reincarnated. Is that because they prepped for it, or why? Why do some people remember these so well?
2: So it's just like the Indigo Children. It's a natural process, and it could happen to any of us at any time. I'm, I'm somebody that, uh, after my near-death experience, really got into this and uh, went through a series of past life aggressions with a couple of great professionals. Then I became a certified clinical hypnotherapist and, and I actually did past life aggressions on people for 15 years. I loved it.
0: That is so cool. But
2: I'm someone that purposely um, uh, have been through all of my lives uh, to this point. I understand my lives. Uh, I've spent time uh uh going through my lives, understanding them and i I may put out a book in the future called uh called you know uh, Reviewing all my incarnations and uh and by the way, many of us think we've had more incarnations than we than we actually have that's that's maybe the last thing I'll say to about reincarnation the the people I know that go to psychics and and say they 've been king Tut, they've been King Solomon they've been everybody Right. come on you know. Just think about it a second. I, I, I can't hear how many times people have told me what other psychics have told them, and everybody can't be King Tut, right?
0: I'm, I'm not and a big believer can. in those psychics, so I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'd, 99% of them are full of crap. Because uh, most
2: of us have been uh, serfs, uh, servants, or slaves in our incarnational past, so most of us have not been Cleopatra. We've been fanning them or carrying the bards. You know?
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: That's been what most of us have been through. But but literally, most of us have not had hundreds and hundreds of incarnations. Um, because if you understand past life aggression, the first thing you have to do is go through a series of about ten to peel the onion. Because, you know, a lot of what you think are your beliefs and your stuff is just stuff you picked up along the way. It's not even you. It's like an onion. Wow. You know, and you peel the back to get to the pearl of the onion. And so a series of, of properly done past life aggressions will help you peel the onions. get rid of all these your family stories, stuff you've read. We're like magnets. We just walk down the street and we pick up stuff and we incorporate it into our being and the stuff we want to believe in. But that's not really you. The real you is in the middle of all that. And uh, past life aggression can help you get to that pure pearl of yourself. So that means that, um, and, and the light gave me this equation, and that is, uh, if you want to kind of guess how many incarnations you, you really have, because, let's face it, there is no time-space, okay? So you, once you try to compare non-time-space with time-space, that's when most people get confused and, and oh, well, it doesn't work. Well, if you, uh, they have estimated that the body count of humans on planet Earth from the first human to now has been somewhere around 80 billion uh-huh. bodies in all the history of humans. But if you divide that by the present population, you get more of a number of how many incarnations you may have had. Some more, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but, we're
2: not, but that means if you only had ten incarnations, you still you still have standard all time to get here. Right. It's not about a thousand incarnations. It's not about, it's not about the number of incarnations, because that's really kind of a um, uh, uh, misuse of the term. But, uh, but it, all, it all does work out very sensibly, and I like that. It doesn't work out as like uh, religious people think. It actually works out in a natural, it turns out metaphysics and spirit are natural, very natural things.
0: What were you saying about future life?
2: Oh, future progression.
0: Fu- yeah, what, what was that? I never heard of that before.
2: Oh, yeah, it's, it's quite popular. Um, um, I've been aware of it ever since I've had my near-death experience, people were, were doing it. The trick to that is, is that the upper brain can really try to mimic anything. It tries to mimic ability it, it already thinks it created the universe because it's so young. Uh, it tries to mimic everything. So you kind of have to. The best way to try to understand your mind and to get a grip on the, the three. You know, we are triune beings. We're, we're, um, we're body, we're body, mind, and spirit. We're male, female, and superconsciousness. We are triune beings. And the best way to get to that, I can tell you, and understand how it works, is through the Huna material, the Kahunas. Mm -hmm. Serge King, especially. Um, You need to understand your triune being if you're going to be fully conscious. I I recommend it to everybody. Um, And and, uh, so as a triune being, um, we are both male, we're always both male and female and, and, and the divine, you know, the, the divine part of us. Um, and, and in this way, um, we experience everything that can be experienced. We're, we're not just male, we're not just female, we never are. You know, they do, they do these genetic tests now, and, and I've seen these, where they can test 10 women and they'll find out out of that 10 women, there's a number of them that are mostly, their genes are mostly male. They can do it with ten men and they can tell you if you're mostly male or female in that gene pool, but you can still be male or female. And this, uh, if it's a high number, this causes what we call dysphoria or gender confusion. Mm-hmm. But we are but we are male and female in our, in, in the most in, in the best form of the balance where it's balanced perfectly. But because of our matriarchal societies and patriarchal societies, it tends the pendulum to seem to oh, it's more important to be male, than, and there's been times where it's more important to be female. And so depending on what time we're in and what cultures we're in, we play uh, pretty much play down the female, and some cultures play down the male. But uh, probably right now we're living in a patriarchal world where, we, where the female has been played down. But that's changing, because women inherit the earth. When, when, when it's said the meek shall inherit the earth, it's mm-hmm. the women shall inherit the earth. And they are inheriting the earth now. The future that I've seen, and that's getting back to your question now, is most prophets and psychics are very terrible about predicting the future. Um, uh, In the ancient days, uh, prophets uh, their prophecies had to come true pretty damn quick, or you got killed. (laughs) Right. Uh, Now, nowadays, you could go 2,000 years, and nobody nobody checks you out. You know, you know, (laughs) give me a break. The prophecies are meant to come true very soon, not very late, like thousands of years later. That's just cut and paste of, of old prophecies. But um, so there is a. You've heard of karma, correct? Yes. Okay. All karma is is cause and effect. All karma is is about the patterns you have have a will generate uh, almost predictably a cause and effect. Um, and I'm not putting anybody down, but I'm just saying that. If you're an alcoholic, you can, and your pattern is alcoholism. It has kind of a predictable end, doesn't it? Right. If, um, and, and there are other things. If you're a really bad person, and everybody knows it, has a predictable end. If you're, if you're really good, uh, but most of us are in the middle somewhere. We're vacillating between um, our good and dark side all the time. We're vacillating depending on the test. Because I've often said, you know, I've never in my life been hurt by a bad person but I have been hurt by good people. Right. we're all good people, aren't we? You know? Um, but, um, but you, so, so to see into the future, you can only see the mass potential. You can't predict a day or a time uh, very accurately at all. Uh, but you can predict the karma of our society, the karma of your life, gives you a prediction and a projection. And uh, that can be tapped into and so uh, if you want to see your individual uh, uh, pattern in, into the foreseeable future, uh, that's very doable. If you want to see the culture or the country's karma in the predictable future, it, it's, actually, uh, it's actually fairly simple. We will have a whole new kind of economy in the future. And the future is very different in many, many ways by 2100 than you imagine it is today. Just like... Um, you know, I was born. Um, I was born right after World War II, and I, the, the world has changed so much from then till now. I, you can't even recognize. From now to 2100, the world will be that different again. Wow. And the future, the future that I've seen, the mass potential of what we're all working for. Whether you think you have a, a, a meaningless job uh, or whatever, you think you've got the best job on planet Earth. We're all participating in this evolution that sets us free. The future, we are free beings. Uh, the future is really not about work because we've reached the limit of that also with artificial intelligence, machines, and all that that are going to free us. That are going to free us. You know, um, a good metaphor for that is, and I talk about this in my DVD, is that what um, really f- you know to be rich in the past, you had to have a lot of slaves, and the more slaves you had, the richer you could be. And that lasted right up to the Industrial Revolution. The richest people in England, the richest people in Europe, were people who had lots of servants and owned lots of land and controlled everybody. But what freed the slaves was not so much all the do-gooders and God bless them, um, you know, the abolitionists and all that. But what freed the slaves? Was in in 1807 the first machines came out, and now you could become wealthy without slaves. That the 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 industrial age, the machines freed the slaves, and just as for them, we are now us today, slaves of the industrial revolution. We have become parts of the machine where we can't get out of it. But um, but now there will never be as many jobs as there was once in the future. That's something that we, the middle class, should start thinking about and how how we're going to fit in, because you don't need humans for this kind of work anymore. But humans are the grace on the planet. And so we, the middle class, especially all over the world, should be thinking about this and and really getting quite active politically and getting quite active in what's happening in this world. Because no matter what we do, we're not going to need much humans for work in the future. We're going to, our machines of today are going to set us free. So in some of my workshops, I get people to imagine that maybe a, one or two incarnations from now, depending on who you are, um, it's not going to be about work. What if you could live an entire life and not be caught up in survival? What if you could live an entire life and never had to worry about the rent? What would you do with your life? And I try to get people to think about this in my workshops, and at first they're stunned. They, they, they can't even conceive of it. But I try to get people to start thinking about that because that's the future. The future is magnificent.
0: You already see the machines doing stuff now. I mean, when you go to a local Walmart or anything now, they've got all those checkouts that are all computerized now. Where you, every every time you use one of those, that's one less person that's working. So that that's actually the writing on the wall there. You can see it happening.
2: And that's the reason when I go to those places, I never use self checkout. I don't either. <laughs> Even when the employee at self checkout comes up and says, "Do you want to use self checkout?" says, "No, I don't. I, I'm, I don't want to replace your job." And they look at me, and they, they know what I'm saying.
0: That's exactly. I say. I even say that too. I'll say the exact same thing. I'll wait in a long line, and I'll tell the cashier, "I go. I rather wait in this line so you have a job than go over there and work, do it for this machine." And they usually thank you for it because they know if you get too used to using these machines, they're going to get rid of the cashiers.
1: Well,
2: and, and that that will eventually happen as we move into this future that isn't really about labor, it isn't about work, it's about, you know, we haven't got to the point yet in our evolution where it's about true human spirit is the most important thing on, on planet Earth for us humans. And the health of the planet, the health of all the life on planet Earth is really the focus of the future. And we have systems in place now that assure that we can do this technically. Up until now, It's not been technically possible, but since, actually since 1975, it has been technically possible to feed, clothe, comfort, and educate every human on Earth without killing the planet. Hmm. It's never happened before in history. We are technically at a point in history that has never been achieved before, and it sets us
0: free in the future. Hey, and uh, we're running um, low on time here. I know you said you didn't have a lot of time. Uh, why don't we talk about your DVD set? And I know you have an appearance coming up here too. You want to talk about that?
2: Yeah, thanks. Um, I kinda forget all that stuff. Uh, I will be in Chicago on the uh, on Sunday. The uh, is it the twenty eighth or it's it's or the thirtieth? I'll be in Chicago at the Infinity Foundation giving my uh, Spirit of Gaia uh, uh, seminar. It's from one to four at Infinity uh, Foundation in Chicago. Uh, I love Chicago. It's one of my favorite cities. And I'll be there for that. Um, uh, And as many of you know, I I really don't travel a lot Uh, in years. I get out when I think it's important and, and it's a good place to go. So at Infinity Foundation, uh, I think it's the 28th or the 30th. Anyway, it's a Sunday right before uh, uh, Halloween, and um, and I've also in my newsletter. If you want to sign up for my newsletter, it's uh, you go to my website. It's it's m e l l e n melin and if you sign up for my newsletter or, or look on the, on the website. I'm about to release, uh, I think, the most important uh, piece of work in my life. It's in a DVD form called The Spirit of Gaia. And there's a special going on now, a special holiday thing, which, is, um, which I think is, is very good. And um, so you'll be able to, uh, for the first time, because I'm someone that's not put out a lot of stuff. I've, I've never tried to be famous. I don't have the, uh, what I call the disease to be famous. But I am trying to leave a legacy now, on at planet Earth, of the greatest lessons I learned. And the blessing I got to live yet a second life. Because I've lived, I've lived just as long now. I was in my 30s when I, when I died, and I've been given a second life, and I've lived 33 years since. And uh, I was given a second life, and I, and I wasn't told what to do with it, but I get it. I want to make the place a better place, I think, like everybody else does, deep in their hearts. And so I'm beginning to release more and more work now that I think uh, is valuable and will help people understand understand and see what a good world we live in. I focus on the 95% good in the world. I don't know why people think the world's 95% broken. Watch this DVD or come to my seminar, and I think you will change your mind. You'll have a paradigm shift in what you think the world
0: really is. Yeah, that'll be well worth it, too. And uh, I urge everybody that's in the Chicagoland area to attend this, too. It'll be uh, well worth your time. Well, thanks,
2: John. It's always great to be on on The Waves with you, a great uh, interviewer. And the work you're doing with your radio show is reaching God knows how many thousands, tens of thousands, maybe millions of people. So thank you.
0: Well, I want to thank you again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on our show.
1: Tune in to Threshold Radio next week. We'll be back with another show to blow your mind.